Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody, uh, to, I believe, our 16th episode of, of Keeping Your Blank Together in a Stressed <laughs> World. I'm Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hello, Scott. Hi, everybody. Uh, nice how, to be here again. How, how is the decluttering, desizing, downsizing, <laughs> and the pending move to back to Florida going? Uh, it is going. We have a mover selected. We have an estate sale to try to help me downsize things. I'm selling uh, uh, selling off a couple of things or finding good homes for a couple of things that I know will be meaningful for people that I don't just want to go to Goodwill. I want them to go to a, a nice home. So Wonderful. it's been emotional. You know, you know what it's like. You. And so I've been processing, oh, I think we talked last time that I finally finished shredding and scanning all of my um, marriage and family therapy, psychotherapy client notes so that I have them in case they're requested, but they are private. The The paper is no longer cluttering my files. So Wonderful. So, you know, maybe we'll do an episode. Exciting. Maybe we'll do an episode now that you and I have both gone through this. <laughs> uh, of how, how to transition to an online presence because, because I know uh, for you uh, there was, I'm going to speak out of turn here, but I know for you there was some angst yes. in moving to an online presence, yes, uh, which was forced because of COVID. Yeah, right? It was, mm -hmm. it was, and so far so good. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed being able to stay connected to my clients despite the social distancing and the inability to keep office space face-to-face -face safe. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I can tell you just from, for me, um, because it will lead into our discussion today, we're talking about intimacy and sex. <laughs> yes. We're gonna talk about sex. Let's uh, talk and, about and, sex, baby. And so, <laughs> you know, con connection is a, is a big deal. And I've yeah. begun to notice uh, that while I, I can do something on the phone or I can certainly do things through Zoom as we're doing here, mm -hmm. I miss the deeper connection. Yeah. And so I'm finding I'm on Zoom more. Now, the mm -hmm. interesting thing for me is this is becoming, I'll call it the new normal. I hate that term. Right, uh, me too. But, but, but this is becoming where we're going. And I uh, was chatting mm -hmm. with a couple in, people in the entertainment industry uh, last week, uh, and they've noticed that people mm -hmm. are starting to get comfortable with this kind of, mm -hmm. of platform. vehicle platform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But their 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 standards aren't up there. They they're not uh -huh. expecting. And and even if you look at matter of fact, that was one of the discussions. You look at many of the talk shows yes. who have gotten rid of their production value. Yes. And. You know, you've got people laying on couches. You've got people <laughs> sitting in, at makeshift desks. You've got all this stuff going. <laughs> and some of it plays well. Some of it doesn't play well. Mm -hmm. And the viewing audience, us, mm -hmm. is starting to, to lessen our standards. 
<laughs> and and so I've noticed that somewhat. I be kind of transparent here. I was watch. I I didn't do it. I was in a a group mm -hmm. Zoom meeting the other day, mm -hmm. and there's a guy sitting in the shadows. I don't know him, but no mm -hmm. shirt on, sunglasses, <laughs> a hat, and it's like. <laughs> It's 11 o'clock at night. What are we doing? <laughs> Glasses and a hat and no shirt. And no shirt. And it was like, I'm not sure where this is going. Very nice man. And, and I've started watching people, you know, play out these things, these, these inner needs to make a difference, make a connection, make a point, be noticed, be unique. Mm -hmm. in ways that they can through Zoom. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. How have your online sessions been going without giving away, obviously, any? Yeah, secrets? confidentiality thing. I, I actually started my career doing a lot of home-based counseling and phone counseling, believe it or not, because of the traffic and the breadth of California being a really large state. And so even five miles in Los Angeles makes it nearly impossible to drive at five o'clock at night for a session. But when I used to do home sessions, I actually prefer home sessions. They tell me so much about a person, their style, what they like, what they don't like, like just looking at you sitting in your home, seeing your dragon with its crystal ball next to it says, and, and it's on top of a, um, it looks like a metal box with, it almost looks like a magician's box that you might hide inside of and <laughs> try to escape from. It says so much about you. Um, so for me, when I see little bits of my client's home, I feel like I have a fuller picture of their life than when they see me in my office, right? My office tells them something about me and in the case of sharing an office with other therapists, which I was doing, it sort of tells them more about the other therapist whose stuff it was. It doesn't even necessarily reflect on me. So I love it. I, I love, uh, I miss, of course, the face-to-face -face connection, um, but I love being able to see aspects of my clients' lives and, and getting, it feels like I'm more in their home territory. They're more comfortable. They're, um, you know, they haven't just run in, you know, sometimes there would be a whole five minutes of the initial session of, oh, I just, oh, so much traffic and I couldn't find the parking and, you know, oh, and this, you know, some guy cut me off, like all that's gone, right? N none of that. And it's really just about getting them in, still focused on themselves and how can we support you and make it about you and not the traffic or the parking. Well, that brings up an interesting, that brings up an interesting point in a few minutes that we usually, you know, kind of debrief and, and get up to speed mm -hmm. on, on current topics. As a therapist, yep. what, if I were to call you and do a, a Zoom therapy session with you, uh -huh. what helps you? I know you're in my home, right? We're up here in my office, but right. what are you, what are you looking for right. from a client to help facilitate the therapy session? It's a really good question. Um, I, I feel like I'm processing a lot of information that I don't even know I'm conscious of all the time. Um, everything from their favorite colors and, and what that might mean what they surround themselves with and what that might mean. It reminds me a little bit of our episode with um, on feng shui. 
Oh, yes, with, or, with Susie Miller. Yeah. Uh-huh, with Susie Miller. So it gives me some information about how the client designs their life. But what am I looking for? If a client just calls me on the phone, what am I looking for? Um, I want to know what their main presenting issue is and do I feel competent in being able to support somebody with that? Is it inside my area of specialty? Because if it is, the work is going to be smooth and much faster than if I'm working outside my comfort zone. Um, good, having a good fit between a client and a therapist is like having a good fit between a coach and a client, right? I mean, you tell me, what are you looking for from a coaching client when they call you? so that you can be the most effective with them? Uh, it, it, it's most, it's actually much the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, uh, I, I, this is actually a good place to insert. I'm very excited that Michelle and I have a new Facebook page now up. Hey. Uh, and it's keeping your blank together. Uh, <laughs> and you can be part of it. And one of the questions that's in there is, are you willing to work through your stuff? And, yeah. you know, what you and I have offline called our messes, the yeah. messes that we're still going through. Mm -hmm. And you brought up a very interesting distinction with me privately the other day. And it's not so much helping. It's not so much keeping people from the mess yeah, as it's you, it. it's you and I have been through so much mm -hmm. collectively that mm -hmm. we're here to help people maneuver Get it. through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maneuver and, through it. And so... I'm really looking for people who are collaborative mm -hmm. and have the personality, the drive. Um, I, I work a lot with type A's, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. And okay. so I, I want that hunger for, you know, Les Brown yeah. is, is, is a public speaker and he loves saying, stay hungry, be hungry, you know. And then it's, I, I want that drive. They may not know what it is, which is what I was going to go back to you on, uh -huh. because it does lead into our conversation today. And maybe this is a good segue. Uh -huh. um, I don't work with folks who always know what they want. Yeah. Okay. They, they think they know what they want. Okay. And it's uh -huh. very superficial. Uh -huh. And as I ask more clarifying questions, uh -huh. uh, suddenly, I, I, I can tell you, I've got like an email coaching program that I do, right? I know, I've done and, it, and I and, highly recommend it. I love and, it. And <laughs> what, what happens from the start of day one until day 20 are two entirely different things. Uh -huh. And it's, fascin it's always fascinating to me to watch the alchemy that happens uh -huh. when you start to ask them probing questions, and I'm sure it's the mm -hmm. same thing for you, mm -hmm. and what they thought they wanted mm -hmm. turns into a morphs into something entirely mm -hmm. different and more powerful at the end. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Now I sort of understand what you were asking for. I definitely, I don't work with any mandated clients. Occasionally I work with somebody who's brought in mandatorily by a loved one that wants them to get help. That's not always the most productive place, but if they can turn that into this is what I want. So I like that a willing drive, a desire, a hunger, a hunger for more life satisfaction, a hunger for some solutions and insight. I agree with you. Those are all really good aspects of, of what a client might come in for. And sometimes it's, and sometimes it's actually nothing more than a commitment to just do the work, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, show and up. It's, and it's show up and do the work, Yeah. which I, I guess kind of brings us 
to the segue of what we're talking about today. I know. Because we're going to talk about intimacy and sex. We're going to use the S word. And I'm going to let you start it off with answering my question. Okay. Um, Because this is the world that you work in at times in, in therapy. Couples counseling particularly, yes. How do I know what I want? How do I know how to talk about it? And, you know, right. we, you, how do we start this conversation? This, <laughs> is not, not, this is not something that's normally talked about in, you know, Sex, world. drugs, and death, right? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe money. So, I mean, I would Wait, say... Isn't rock and roll in there somewhere? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll is a whole other thing. But <laughs> I would say if... If you feel like, for those of you listening or here on the call with us in, in person, if you feel like your sex life is perfect, that it's it's got the right quality and the right quantity, it's often enough and it contains all the elements that keep you feeling like it's satisfying, you probably don't need to listen to us. In fact, we'd like you to write in on the chat or tell us what your secrets are or give us your tips, right? We don't necessarily, you're not here for any kind of problem solving, but it's really tuning into if you're not in that category, if there's something off about the quality or the quantity, um, what is it that you want? What feels like you're missing? And I think a good question to ask is, if you knew you could have this conversation with ease with your partner and ask for anything that you want and you wouldn't be ridiculed and your partner would thank you for asking about it and bringing up the subject, what would you talk to your partner about? What comes to mind? What haven't you shared? And um, I think that's a good start place. And then how do I get comfortable with it? We can talk about those kinds of techniques for getting comfortable with any uncomfortable, difficult conversation and then implementing, taking action. So so maybe we can go back to something you and I talked about offline and and that's the SUDS scale. Yes, please. I love that uh, tool. For those of you who don't know this already, uh, I use it repeatedly. If you do coaching with me, we use it in a different format than what you might have experienced at the hospital if you've gone to the emergency room or you've experienced with a therapist if you've gone through counseling before. At its core, at its foundation, it really is a, a metric scale, a way to measure your pain level, for example, if you're in the emergency room. You will see it if you go into an ER, they've actually got this up on the wall because every healthcare provider is supposed to ask you on a scale of one to 10 or scale of one to nine or scale of zero to nine, depending on who they are, Mm -hmm. how much pain are you in? And it's subjective. It's a subjective unit of distress, right? And there's no no wrong answer. That's why it's subjective. So you and I were joking, we're going to call today at the subjective units of desire. Desire, yes. <laughs> and here, here's the way it works. It's very simple uh, to, to implement this. If you take what Michelle was talking about, both quantity and quality of your sex life and intimacy, and you create a scale of, let's just say, one to nine, mm-hmm. one being I'm not satisfied at all, and nine being I'm over the moon. This is like, it, it's right into us and give us a how to, uh, mm-hmm, you're please. doing it and we'll we bottle it. Tips. We'll, we'll bottle yes. it and make it a show, right? <laughs> so one to nine. Uh-huh. And where do you think you are as to two different factors? You're going to have two different scales going on. Mm-hmm. One being 
quantity of intimacy. And it doesn't, by the way, I know we're talking the S word sex. This is just closeness, connection right. that, that we do want to talk about very uh, rawly. We want right. to talk about the, the sex aspect of it and right. that need, that type of, of human need. Um, but however you want to measure it right now, what right. is your subjective feeling of quality? And then separately, what's your subjective unit uh, measurement of quality? Mm-hmm. And look at them. They quantity. don't have mm-hmm. quantity and quality. They don't mm-hmm. have to be the same. Right. Um, nor do I actually expect that they will. I'm not even sure that they will be the same week to week. <laughs> right. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. Like a classic question I will ask a couple at some point when we're through any crisis they've come in with is how's your sex life? And in an ideal world, if you were to say how often you'd like to engage in whatever you define as sex, uh, how often would you like to to engage in that with your partner, how often feels ideal? So in a week, how often is ideal? Or in a month, how often is an ideal? And I ask them each separately, and then we compare. And if we're close, we've got something to work with. If I've got a person who's like, you know, once a month or once a year is my ideal, probably not more than that, I could take it or could leave it. And I've got someone else who's, you know, I'd really like to have sex daily or every other day, We've got worlds of work to do, but if we're talking about once a week versus three or four times a week, we've got a little more wiggle room. Then we can break it down into- No pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, that was accidental. (laughs) We can break it down into what, if you think of the word sex, what does that entail for you? Because not to be too binary from a gender standpoint, but for women, who maybe are above age 30 something, you know, and had more gender raising. In general, we see that for women, sex happens a lot longer in advance than the actual act of sex. So it's everything from little to do's and kindnesses and words and language and closeness and say, and that sense of safety builds to, I will share my body with you. I'll open up my body with you. That's, that's not true across the board, but we'll, we'll see a little bit of that. And then, then for men, sometimes the opposite is true where they feel more vulnerable and willing to be open and to discuss and, and talk and share once sex has occurred. So you can see that in a binary world where it's a traditional kind of a woman raising and a traditional man, you've got one person saying, I don't wanna have sex with you till I feel safe. And another person saying, I don't feel safe with you until I have sex. And sooner or later, somebody's got to bridge the gap and, and find a way to, to get through that. Am I making yeah. sense? Yeah, you are. And um, the, the beauty of this show is that we don't prescript it. And so <laughs> as, as people who yeah. are hearing this, uh, you know, things are running through my head. As I say things, things are running through Michelle's head. Mm-hmm. Where do we learn? It, it, I've never heard you say that, that way of Peace. describing an approach to intimacy before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never, you know, I always grew up with the men are from Mars, women are from Venus concept. And you uh-huh. have mentioned before that most women learn their sexual identity. I'm going to use that. It may be too broad, but their sexual mm-hmm. identity from romance novels and mm-hmm. men learn the way to and treat women from, and... from porn movies. Yes. Yeah. Romantic comedies and, and porn. Right. Um, so th- those are two very different worlds. Right. So, One is very technical 
and how do you reach orgasm quickly enough? And the other one is very slow. And how do you build relationship and trust? So what I've never heard, what, what I've never heard you say before, though, is that women need to feel safe in order to offer themselves, mm -hmm. and men need to feel safe having yeah. been offered. Yes, yes. Um, where does yeah. that come from? Um, I'm guessing it's a social biology thing dating back to just survival of the species, right? Like if I'm going to sh back before birth control existed, if I'm going to share my body with you, there's a high likelihood that I'm now going to be raising your child, right? Yeah. Because I'm probably going to get pregnant if I'm in the pregnancy years. And so therefore I want to make sure that you really care about me, that you have resources to offer me. You're not just going to use me for my body and then abandon me. So I think from the traditional sort of female, if you study any social biology, that's where that piece maybe comes from. And for um, a man, it's much more like, um, don't, don't dupe me from a sociobiology standpoint. Don't dupe me. Don't um, pretend that, that, that uh, you care about me and you want to have a family and my family uh, just to use me for my resources. Um, so I think it's very old. I think it's a survival skill. It doesn't have a whole lot of place in captivity. I love uh, Esther Perel wrote a book called Mating in Captivity. Is that what and we're in? We're in captivity? <laughs> we are in captivity for sure. <laughs> especially, especially during coronavirus time, we're in captivity. Um, so that, you know, overcoming that safety thing is, is an issue. You know, what is it that I'm doing in our relationship that creates a sense of wanting to be safe with me and share your body with me? And what am I doing after sex as a female in a, in a relationship, we're so heterosexual in our conversation today. I'm so sorry I, for I, those I know of you that, that aren't. I, <laughs> it's I, so I, binary, <laughs> but forgive us. The, the history well, it, is it, helpful. It, it gives us a platform. At least it gives us a platform to jump off from. Right. And we because can have not paper. all men are like this. And it's sometimes it's the reverse, right? Like a, a, it's a man that needs to feel safer in the relationship. And the woman is more objectifying or um, feel safer or closer after sex. So let so, me back Let me back up though and go back to what I've talked to you about offline and that's feeling comfortable in your own sex skin. Yes, yes, good phrase. And, and how do we, if, if we're gonna talk about knowing what you want right. and being able to talk about it in, in any logical way to right. communicate it and then acting on it, how do we, as human beings in captivity, yeah. even come to an understanding of what we are, what we like, what we want? What we like, what you know, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about, and part of part mm -hmm. of me is going and saying, "Wait a minute, what about biology? Oh, what, yes. what, what about the part that's just wired to be attracted? And again, doesn't matter what yeah. your your preferences are." or what your choices are, um, this is across the board, mm -hmm. how much of this is nature and nurture, for lack of mm -hmm. a better way to put it? Mm -hmm. any, th but, any thoughts on how, how do, do any of our listeners mm -hmm. come to terms with what their actual sexual needs are mm -hmm. versus what they think they need to be? Right. Well, I would say do an assessment. Uh, let's, let's rule out 
if you've had a recent physical and everything's physically fine, if you haven't had a recent medical checkup, Google uh, what's called PHQ-9 GAD-7. It is a um, anxiety and depression, quick, less than five minutes, free to use scale that most doctors are trained to use to assess for anxiety or depression. If your scores are all normal, great, okay? Then we've got that ruled out. PHQ-9 GAD-7. Um, pretty fast to Google, you can find the PDF everywhere. I use it as an intake thing for all my clients. So once you know you're not dealing with depression or anything that might be getting in the way of your drive, okay? Then you can tune in and say, hmm, how often would I enjoy sex with a partner who's safe? Like just in general, how often would I enjoy that? What's, am I a high drive person or a low drive person? A um, few times a week would be in a healthy relationship would be a nice standard uh, to kind of think about. And if you're down to once a month and you're not equally paired and one partner seems upset about that, you're gonna need to do some work to figure that out. Um, or if you've moved to once every six months or once a year, you're basically in an asexual relationship. And if that feels comfortable to both of you, that's one thing. Um, but if it doesn't feel comfortable, that's often a sign that some work needs to be done. So now that's a quantity thing. Quality thing would be what piques your interest when you've read a novel or you have watched a film or even if you've watched a porn film or you've heard about certain sexual acts or, you know, and the older that you get, maybe the less experimental or the more experimental, the more experimental you might get. So when was the last time you talked about adding something new to your relationship? Um, you know, do you both feel really satisfied with everything going on? Um, there's all kinds of different acts involved, everything from touching in the non-bathing suit parts, which is the erogenous zones that aren't traditionally sexual. So that can feel really lovey and, and loving and be a part of, uh, uh, why am I blanking on the, before you have sex, there is the foreplay. foreplay. I was forgetting the word foreplay. So for some people touching um, before in other areas is part of the warming up of the body. So snuggling, hugging, holding hands, um, touching in the non-erogenous zones. For a person that is a lower sex drive, if you're just trying to go right to the bathing suit areas without any precursor, they can feel very mechanical and, and used. So you wanna think about, you know, when was the last time you French kissed somebody or deeply kissed your partner um, or kissed them in other parts of their body like their neck or their head or their hands or their feet? So there's lots of different things going on there. And there's well, you know what? Let me let me interrupt here for a minute. And we yes, talked please. about this. We talked about this before. <laughs> okay. um, and I'm going to use this not because you and I have any affiliation with this book or with the author or but right. you know the, the the five languages of love, right? Oh, the five love languages. Yes. And, and it's fascinating. And uh -huh. I mean, I will at least share with listeners. I'm a very touchy person. I, I like that physical connection, right? Yeah. How physical affection. Would, would that be a way for listeners, at least at the beginning, to right. also help them identify 
um, I, I don't want to I don't want to limit it to foreplay, but to to help them yes. identify what helps stimulate them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The five love languages, which you can also probably Google and find a free test, Googling the five love languages and find out if you are giving the gift that your partner wants, not just the, the gift that you want. So if you're good at touchy feely and you like it, you're probably good at giving it, but maybe your partner is, um, acts of service, things like, you know, they're turned on by when you do the dishes or cook for them or, you know, clean the garage or mow the lawn or, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So some, some people are really turned on by acts of service and that causes them to feel cared for. Um, other people, it's words of affirmation. So they really feel turned on and loved and safe and supported when the person's complimenting them, telling them how much they love them, how much they value them. Uh, what are the other ones? Quality time. If you're not spending enough quality time with a person, they can feel uh, that they're being neglected and that they don't matter. And then suddenly you're rushing in the door from a long work day or being away on a trip, which isn't happening as much anymore. And you suddenly just want to have sex, but they haven't, wait, where's my quality time? You didn't even call me the whole time you were gone there. You didn't respond to my text message and send me little emojis during the day. So Words of affirmation can be important. Quality time can be important. So that's a great idea. Five love languages. To, you, if you're in a relationship, have your partner take it to learn about each other. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna add one thing that just struck me as you were chatting here. Before our captivity, I love that yes. term. Before okay. our captivity, um, I know that there were routines that my wife and I had when I would go to work in general, but in particular, if I would go to in, into trial you know i'm in battle mode there yeah. were certain things that she did to remind me during the day uh, of our relationship Aww. and I, I i wonder how many couples have lost that yeah um you know we talked about early on my my routine every morning of marrying my wife every morning it's yeah. i ask her to marry me how many couples have lost it's not spontaneity it's lost those little tiny rituals. connection things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the rituals of love, for lack mm -hmm. of a better way, mm -hmm. which in the 15 minutes we've got left, I mean, it's going quickly, right? In the 15 minutes we have left, what I'd like to start with, if you don't mind, and then we can transition this into next week's session, mm -hmm. is this is all cool. This, this is all great stuff that we're chatting about. How do you get a partner to talk about it to begin with? Right. We don't talk about this stuff. Right. Well, yeah, some people's tolerance for talking about things is, I mean, I had one mentor describe it like this. You're going to have uncomfortable conversations about all kinds of things in your working relationships and in your personal relationships, right? And you're going to feel it because you'll feel it in your gut or on the back of your neck. You'll feel like, ooh, ooh this is a little bit of a tough one. This is sensitive. And one of my mentors would say, you got to pull on your big girl pants, your big boy pants and take action. Or as Nike would say, you need to just do it. But there are things you can do to prepare for it. You don't just stumble it out there, right? But any conversation is better than hiding something or not talking about it. You know, could you talk it over with a trusted friend or a therapist and practice? Could you imagine writing out a dialogue between you and your partner and seeing, you know, how you might say, you know, I have something I 
you know, kind of want to talk about, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit shy to talk about it. When would be a good time for us to talk about it? So you start there. So, so then, let me, again, let me, let me interrupt for a minute. Yeah. And I want, I'm going to call on your expertise as a couples therapist. Uh-huh. Take it out of the sex field, take it out of the intimacy field. This is yes. any conversation. Any conversation. Are there, are there scripting, are there words? Cause I've heard this before. Um, God, I may have heard this in a movie. I may have heard this. I don't even know. But it, to, 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 to take it away from you did yeah. this, you did that, yeah. to an I. We've actually yes. never chatted We've never about talked that. about I statements. Yeah. Well, how does that work? Okay. An I statement is kind of a formula. In general, when this happens with anyone, not even you in particular, anyone, I feel blank. And that's a one word feeling word, not I feel that you or I feel that uh, it's one word. I feel mad, sad, happy, scared. Because you can explain why if you're aware of where that feeling is coming from. And then the big part is, and what I'd really like instead is this, right? So when blank so this, happens. So this is the procedural guy, right? I'm the yep. script writer. I'm the script writer. Yep. So I, I'm listening to you and it's when blank. this this happens, I feel lonely. Blank. Yeah, I feel lonely. You and can say I would, because I, or not. You can just skip the because piece. I, I feel lonely and I would rather feel. I'd rather have this instead. So going back okay. to the when this happens. So instead of this, whatever the this is, what I'd really rather or what I'd prefer is this. So I'll give you a clear example. Um, when we have plans to do something at three o'clock and you're running late and you don't call me, I feel scared for me, Michelle, because of all my grief work and how all pe people die all of a sudden at all ages, right? That I'm a grief therapist. Um, and what I would prefer instead is just text me and let me know that you're running late. And, and the, when we have plans, and the, the partner, what, what is the best response back? Because I could sense, I mean, yeah, again, my world, I, I come from the, I'm the warrior. I'm going to fix everything. Get out <laughs> of my way, not, not move, get out of mm -hmm. my way. Let mm -hmm. me help my client. Mm -hmm. And I expect the response to be yes. Let me do that for you. That's not always going to be the response. It's not always going to be the response. It can be like whenever it's possible. Um, maybe I'm with a client and it runs long and I'm not able to text you right away. But as soon as it's possible for me to notify you, I will. I recognize your fear and I will work on being more communicative. Perfect. So again, I'm going to take this back to, and I think one of our early episodes, maybe at the, maybe even episode one, uh, we fall back on my entertainment training in improv, uh -huh. which, which is the yes, and the yes and mentality where things are thrown at you. So if anybody's ever watched a really good improv mm -hmm. troupe, things are just thrown out there. Mm -hmm. You've never mm -hmm. seen the, the good improv actors rebuff it. You've always heard them say internally, yes, and here's what I'm going to do to make that happen. Yes. Is that really what we're chatting about now when we talk about intimate discussions with a, a significant other? Yes, and it is still okay 
to say what I what I would also prefer instead is this, like the example that I gave you of the text message. I might not be able to text message you ahead of time that I'm running late, but as soon as or and as soon as I'm available to, I I will be more communicative. Meaning, like I'm I'm not always going to get it done. I'm not always going to get it perfectly. And in sex, it's particularly important because I hear you saying that you're interested in trying X, Y, and Z, and I'm not really sure if that feels comfortable for me. I, I'm, I'd like to be willing to do this for you. You matter to me. I love you. I'd like to be willing to experiment with this, and I might not feel comfortable with it. So I'd like to be able to come back and say, ooh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if that's something I can get used to or something that's comfortable or pleasurable for me. Right. So it is an and and a negotiation. It's not like and, I get and, what I want whenever I want all the time and you just get to deliver. And, <laughs> and I hear what you're saying. I, I loved that. And, and this is where I'm going back to. I loved your response where essentially I'm recognizing whatever the I feel blank is. Yeah. I, I recognize you're scared. I recognize you're uncomfortable. I recognize um, it's it gets, basically I'm saying, I hear you, I see you, I feel you. Yeah. Um, and I want most in life to please you. Right. And I'm coming from that standpoint, right? Now I know right. not all relationships come from that. Right. And we've chatted about that before, but presuming for the sake of discussion that as intimate partners, Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't just friends with benefits and this isn't just, yeah. you know, uh, this isn't just a friction thing. Um, yeah. th that by the way, you, friends with benefits usually pretty, pretty easily talk about what they want and they don't want. Right. Really? Oh yeah. Um, because I, I, having never been in that sex. kind of, <laughs> is it? All right, I've never been in that relationship. So I'll, I'll fess up. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, and so that's why I can bring this perspective of, I grew up in a, a household where discussions about uh, sex and intimacy pretty out there. If, if you ever mm -hmm. got to know my family, oh, well, but I, I don't, do. but I don't remember ever having, I hope they're not listening. I don't remember ever having, the, <laughs> I don't remember ever having the sex talk. I, uh, and so we, we all kind of learn as we go along yeah. and I don't yeah. know that we get better as we get older at having it uh, yeah. because things change. Right. I, and again, go through the scripting again, just so listeners yes. can, can understand how there's a distinction between I and you. You don't yes. want it to be accusatory. Right. And the all embracing, I hear you. I, I, I get, right. I recognize that you feel safe or unloved or you need this or you need that. Can you mm -hmm. go through that again for everybody? Yes. So when this happens, this fill in the blank, I feel one word that describes your feeling and what I would love instead is this. And let me back up. So when this happens, I feel this and what I would love instead is, is this. So in a sexual context, it's not any relationship, but in any sexual relationship that I'm in, if we're not having sex at least once a week, I begin to feel lonely and lacking and disconnected. And what I'd really love instead is if we can be intentional about making time to be intimate with each other. And part, the partner, a, a good scripting outline would be what? The, the a good response. scripting outline would be 
Wow, I hear you saying that you feel lonely when our sex becomes infrequent. And I love you. And I'm sorry you've been going through that. It must have taken a lot of courage to come to me and talk to me about this. And let's look at how maybe I've been overscheduled or maybe I, you know, I haven't been attuned to your cues or attuned to like your openness um, or your desire. And, and let's, let's talk about how we can be more intentional about having quality time together to create that spontaneous space. That's not a, that's a big script and it's, you know, using my language but it acknowledges the lonely piece and I love you piece, like the validating, I love you. And maybe even throws in a little example of, you know, I think maybe I've been overscheduled and not paying attention and I'm sorry um, for my part in it. Um, and let's talk about how we could be more intentional about our sex life. Wonderful. Do you mind if I share a little tool that, that yes. I think would help folks here? I would love it. Um, and it's something that I use with coaching clients, no matter what the scenario is. You know, you've, mm -hmm. you've heard Michelle talk about when this happens, I feel one word, right? Yeah. Blank. And my experience in working with folks is they don't always know what that one word is. Right. So here's a little tip for you. Great. If you will Google online, uh -huh. adjective lists. Adjective lists. Okay. And you're going to find everything from, I, I, I just did this the other day. You're going to find everything from a list that has 1,500 different adjectives <laughs> to, you know, the top 50. Uh -huh. What you're looking for is go through the list. Think uh -huh. about the, the situation. Uh-huh. And you're going to find different words that mean lonely, different words that feel that, that mean unsafe, different words that mean ecstatic or loved. And you're, it's going to broaden, I think, the way okay. you experience the concept of intimacy and sex, mm -hmm. because we, we kind of are very limited as human beings in how we express ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we want and what we need. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I did with a client recently is it, it comes out of a, a, a technique that I will likely teach when we do our, our retreat again. Uh, mm -hmm. You block out everything that doesn't make sense. Yes. It's blackout. It, it comes from blackout poetry where people okay. where, and I can't think of Austin Cleon, I think is the name of the, the artist author that created blackout poems. And that's where I got the idea. You take this list of adjectives mm -hmm. and thinking about the, when whatever it is happens, I feel, and again, I used lonely before, let's just use that. Mm -hmm. I feel blank. You look at this list and you black out everything that doesn't apply mm -hmm. and then look at what's left. Mm -hmm. And it's, I love it. It, it is so uh, revealing. Mm -hmm. Now you can use this in a powerful way too. You can say when this happens or when I have a brand or when I use my business, this is what I want clients to, to feel and think and mm -hmm. experience. You can mm -hmm. use this in all kinds of different ways, mm -hmm. but for this sex and intimacy discussion of mm -hmm. when blank happens, I feel blank. I can see it working unbelievably well. Uh, how about, mm -hmm. does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Expand. And when I say, uh, I feel blank. It doesn't have to be just one feeling. You might have multiple feelings, right? So there's also that option. 
I feel lonely and I feel sad and confused. So it can be more than one feeling. It's just not what will happen when I ask people, how are you feeling? They'll say, and I feel that you really don't love me. That's a thought. That's not a feeling. Does that make sense? It does. Um, When we don't have sex for, you know, more than a week, I feel that you don't really love me. That's not a feeling. That's a thought. Or I feel that, that you're detached from me. No, that's a you statement in disguise. That's not the same thing. I feel disconnected. I'm going to own my feeling. You may not be feeling disconnected at all. You may be loving me a hundred percent and totally happy and just busy in your own world. I'm going to own my feeling mad, sad, scared, confused, afraid, lonely, whatever that may be. And what I'd like is this. And that is usually not just one combo. It's multiple combos. And what I'd like instead is the, is it, it's the feeling that you'd like to feel instead of being lonely or sad or. Yeah. What I'd like instead is, you know, if we, if we had a date once a week and maybe we're more mindful of quality time or whatever your love language is, arcing back to our comment about love language, whatever your love language is, what helps you feel loved and connected and safe to open up your body and share your body with your partner? Wonderful. I'm going to use that because we're out of time, believe it or not. All right. Uh, I'm going to use that. I think you had a shout out you wanted to do. Oh, I did. We have um, a regular attendee to our live calls, Mr. Daryl. If you've listened all the way to the end uh, after the fact, it's your birthday today. And we know you couldn't be with us, but uh, we want to send you the best birthday wishes for a year of dreams come true. Enjoy your trip around the sun. And we missed you today. And we hope to have you back in our community soon. Yes, happy birthday. Uh, so in conclusion, we're going to continue these discussions, I believe, at least for two more sessions. And we're going to yeah. delve and dig and probe and prod even more. I really invite... Uh, <laughs> you, unintended? I, I, I invite, yeah. Um, <laughs> Freudian slip, right? Uh, I, I invite all of you to join us now on our brand new Facebook page. Yay. The, and it literally is keeping your SH up uh, together. Uh, you just type in <laughs> keeping, keeping your together and it will pop up. Or you can find it through Michelle uh, and me uh, uh-huh. and just ask us for it. We're going to have some special things that happen in that Facebook group. Mm-hmm. We're using the hashtag now. And it, this was Michelle's brilliant concept. Uh, it's keeping YST. So it's hashtag keeping YST. Uh, which stands for keeping your together. The, the interesting thing is there's a, there's some hidden meanings that we're going to save. If, uh-huh. if you can tease it out for those of you, if you just look at the name, hashtag keeping YST. Uh, for those of you that read into it, just say it out loud. It'll make sense. Yeah. And um, let us know on Twitter or Instagram or yeah. Facebook, how you are keeping YST as we go. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, Michelle, uh, we've come to the end. Thank you again, as as usual. Uh, Anything you want to add at the very end? No, just I hope you all, I wish you all happy, healthy, wonderful conversations about whatever will bring you more life satisfaction. I hope this has helped any of you listening here today. And with that, thank you all for joining us. And uh, we'll we'll talk again next week. All right. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you.
You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.